this week we are joined by our first international guest, Yancey Violi. Yancey is the owner and operator of Barn Bowtie, a full-tiered events activation and pop-up company. We cover topics such as the pretentiousness, if any at all, in cocktail bartending, bathroom etiquette, utilizing social media to promote cocktailing, as well as current trends in the beverage and bar industry. Enjoy the show. Welcome to another episode of the Industry Podcast, where we attempt to tell the stories of the people involved in the service industry. We have a great guest for you, as always, today, Yancy Violi, a.k.a. Mr. Bar and Bowtie. He's going to be joining us in a little bit here. Um, with me again, as always, Dan Serretta, the producer. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing really well. Thanks, and how are you? I'm all right, man. I finally got my bar open, so it's exciting. Yeah. <laughs> We're recording on the 22nd of July, this uh, episode. So 21st. 21st. Yes. Close enough. I'm, I better, I, it's time for me to start learning the days now that I have to go to work again. Um, <laughs> so uh, a couple quick shout-outs. Uh, I'd like to give another quick shout-out to Zach Hanna at Zach Hanna Design. He is responsible for all of our beautiful artwork that you see on our Instagram page at The Industry Podcast. Um, What's his Instagram handle? Once it's uh, at Zach.Hannah, Z-A-K dot H-A-N-N-A-H. He's amazing. Check him out. Hit him up if you need design work. Also, we'd like to send a quick shout out to Aaron Hatchell, who's helped us a great deal. He was on the show earlier. You should check out his episode in the archives, but he's also helped us uh, with booking uh, quite a few guests that we have coming up from all over the U.S., and uh, including the one we have for you today, uh, which is Yancy Violi. So let's Stop dicking around and get right to it. Okay. Okay. Oh, oh I'll, as always, subscribe, rate, review. That's what helps us out. Um, it's at the Industry Podcast on Instagram, and it's the Industry industry Podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. Okay, Yancey, how you doing, buddy? Oh, I'm so good. Just got out of the shower after a run, so feeling nice. Nice. Uh, and we were talking briefly before we started recording. You're out in Portland right now, mm-hmm, uh, and things are... Things are not so bad for you, <laughs> COVID-related. No, it's okay. It is really chopping up to be like some weird, like skeptic place to be, but I've been okay, fortunately. Yeah. And uh, so we were talking earlier before we uh, linked up today, uh, Dan and I. What, what, how, what, got, what was the journey that got you from New York? To, oh, we're going to go through the, your history, but like, how you were bartending in New York City for a while, and then you decided to make the move to Portland. What was behind that? Uh, so at some point mid-March, once COVID really hit us in New York and I got laid off from my job, you know, that wasn't such a bad thing. But after a month or so, I got very stagnant um, just in my daily routine, you know, not physically having the job to go to kind of gave me less of the enthusiasm to work on my personal stuff and my business, you know, and with the money I had saved up, plus that unemployment, which has been very, very uh, fortunate for myself and my partner, uh, we just said, Hey, let's just move. I'm always down for new experiences. I had no real reason to come to Portland specifically. I just always kind of had it on my radar in the back of my mind. Seems it's, like a cool spot to live for yeah, sure. Just getting yeah. the cocktails and, uh, you know, the move was, uh, pretty easy. And are you working now? Uh, no, I no, have I've had my first event so far. I've only been here for almost two months now, but okay. that was that's the only money I've made here. Right. Okay. Cool. Uh, all right. Well, let's just uh, dive into a little bit of your history. You grew up in Florida. Is that accurate? Yeah, South Florida, Boca Raton, born and raised. Yeah. And uh, uh, that's where you got, what, what, what was your first industry job in, in um, Florida? Or if there's any... I started all throughout uh, college and late high school. But my first real, I guess, bar 
leading the bar was at Junior's Cheesecake, the famous New York cheesecake restaurant. Okay. Um, they had their first endeavor outside of New York um, in Boca in Miser Park. I luckily just joined the team as before they opened. And since it wasn't like uh, right in New York with the rest of the locations, the owners and the directors were all there constantly. And at right around the same time I finished college in 2017, they were talking about opening a new second Midtown location in Times Square. And I was just, I just slipped the word to the director of operations who just had me having lunch one day. And he's like, you know, you're right. They love to hire from within and they got me a plane ticket up to New York. So, oh, wow. So they paid for the plane ticket and everything. Yeah. Not oh, my place to in, of course, but. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, where, did you, where did you go to college? Uh, Florida Atlantic University. Uh, okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's, uh, so talk to us a little bit about that. Uh, most of our listeners so far are in the um, Canadian region here. So talk to us a little bit about this cheesecake spot. It's like a chain, obviously, but um, is it similar to like the Cheesecake Factory? Like. Uh, no. So it's okay. more of a, it's like an upscale diner, for example, is the best okay. way. Food, it's all like, just like pastrami, corned beef on rye, like home food, everything's massive. Um, also in a big cocktail spot, obviously we have cocktails, but it's not like a, like a death and co or whatever right. those kind of joints, you know. Um, but they push volume and it was an intense amount of tourism, you know, obviously being in Times Square and all, but I will say, that year and a half I was with them in New York was probably the best year and a half I've ever had in my life. I experienced so much, made a lot of money, and mm-hmm. I met people from all over the world constantly. Uh, yeah. I, uh, Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but they, um, they, I, I'm interested in that as well. Like being right in Times Square, like mm-hmm. your client base must just be all over the fucking place. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, for example, our summers are Australia's winter, and I would have for weeks during summertime, just Australians coming in three, four days a week. And they, they would just run into other Australians. And then I'd be like, yo, let's all sit together. Let's have a good time. And they spend right. money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, another really fun example that I had, and I don't know if this is any resemblance of what it's like in these countries, but I had some people from, I think, Norway or Sweden come in. A family. Uh, it was like a, a father, wife, and two kids. And the father sat in one chair. There's a chair between the other three, then the, the wife and the two kids. And like the kids were not able to speak to the father without getting permission from mother first. Oh, great. really? Yeah, yeah it, was, it was very cool. <laughs> yeah. they, were, they, were all, they were nice, but they didn't want to chat too much. No, <laughs> that's, that's a good way to keep your kids polite, though. Uh, yeah. Okay, so that's, um, so you're bartending there, and I'm guessing that the drinks are pretty basic at a place like that. You're not doing a whole ton of high-end cocktails, as you were mentioning, but you're all, like, what... What are you mostly serving there? A beer? Um, uh, a lot of beer and wine, but definitely yeah. a lot of like Long Islands, a lot of mojitos, yeah. a lot of really right. fruit stuff. We had, we had a bunch of blended drinks. So I had, I had two blenders behind the bar. I'd be cranking out strawberry daiquiris and stuff like that. You know, so people just want something that tastes really good that's going to get them kind of drunk while they're having a, you know, a corn dog or something. Right. Uh, yeah. And so is this where you're starting to get your love of like bartending and, and realizing that maybe this is kind of what you want to do with your life or at least for now? Yeah. No, I, uh, so I, was always into men's fashion and I tried to get into it maybe halfway through my first year in New York and came to a realization that you can't really just show up to men's boutiques, the few that there are solely for men in New York without having been hired or sent out through a magazine or some other brand. So that kind of nixed that idea immediately. Right. And then my friends who had been kind of keeping up the, the stuff I was just posting regularly they said, why don't you start writing about the booze and posting more about the cocktails? And I did. So then I started writing, which was originally what I wanted Bar and Bowtie to be. Um, 
But since I started that writing, I got a lot of opportunities. And then end of 2018, Netflix is, or Netflix, one of Netflix's, I guess, conglomerate companies underneath them hired me to do their Christmas party in Williamsburg um, okay. at the Spark Info. And it was really sick. They had me create a cocktail menu and bartend. It was like 250 people. I met Samuel Jackson and a couple other people. Oh, uh, wow. The theme of the event was a uh, uh, strong black lead. So a lot of the movies in 2019 that had a strong, you know, right. black lead. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so how did you get that gig, though? Because that sounds amazing. Uh, I literally got an email. So I guess one of their agencies is called XP Agency. You could look them up, too. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they work with brands like Coca-Cola and whatsoever. And they were like, hey. We heard about you. We read the blog. Um, we've seen the stuff we've been promoting. And there's plenty of other people that do a lot more than I was doing at the time. You know, mm-hmm. I felt very, very blessed to have gotten that. And something that they asked me to do, which took me a little bit of effort to figure out, was they wanted to get the physical logo of Strong Black Lead written on the cocktail somehow. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh God, yeah. yeah, I did. I, I originally started with like a stencil and getting like a bitter spray or something. Yeah. Not then I, I found this uh, little bakery called cakes and shapes mm-hmm. over on 50th and 10th avenue in manhattan right and apparently this woman i think her name was eden or something some it was an old white lady beautiful woman so nice she has edible decals like you have a cookie with your face on it you know so i was like maybe i could put that on the egg white foam and it worked out it was perfect i literally oh, got wow. a long black lead like it was like a sticker almost but it wouldn't dissolve into the drink once you get past the foam so crazy oh, that's amazing it, yeah. that seems labor intensive too though like when you're oh, yeah. 250 people <laughs> yeah I yeah so many of those and it was very it was like i didn't plan my time properly that day <laughs> <laughs> okay done. so let's talk since you brought it up we can dive right into that as well talk to us a little bit about bar and bow tie and what it's all about um how what what made you think of starting this company up what uh, what's your goals for it in the future what just give us the whole rundown yeah. Um, so luckily, while I was at Juniors, I met this guy named Bob Rosenblum, who is a tax guy. Rich dude lives right on the river on the Jersey side off the Hudson. He was sitting at my bar one afternoon at Juniors, um, and he was just like, taxes. Had a great chat. He offered to do them for me. Totally free, you know. Just so out of, out of the blue. And he gave me advice to actually file for an LLC name so I could start getting some write-offs and all. Mm-hmm. Um, and he specifically said to File that LSC in Florida because it's much cheaper. Glad I did that as well. Thousand dollars to do it in New York. Uh, um, but yeah, so once I got that going, I started writing more. By the way, as of in the last year, I haven't written really that much. So that's a whole other conversation we have. Okay. Time. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Once I started getting more and more events and parties where I was getting booked, I was starting to get the impression like, why can't I just get these liquor brands to get me? donation booths and also other parties, whether it be a theme or a center on a DJ, or even like a clothing brand, um, or even a party I did with Jameson was at a barbershop. So we were promoting some big like celeb barbers, you know. Uh, so Jameson had gave us a bunch of booze. They brought a bunch of people in from JMO and we like did a whole party. And I, after doing these kinds of events, it just had me realize, well, there's no reason why I can't do them myself. Um, and it is, of course, a niche business because it's not really sure how I can turn into just getting booze company specifically. It always have to be kind of a collab thing or me working for another bigger um, event space. For example, I've done a couple of weddings, but it wasn't a bar and bow tie wedding. It was just like right. made drinks and bartending. Yeah. I got some free booze for them, which is cute. Right. Um, very surprising to be very easy on the East Coast to do is get free, free booze. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hopefully not everybody hears that, but it's true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so at around the same time, obviously, you're getting super into craft cocktailing, I'm assuming, at the same time. Yes. Uh, yeah, I yeah. wasn't into any of that until after I left juniors, really. Right. And so did you, when you left juniors, you went to work at, uh, let me just scan your bio really quickly. Uh, it might not be that bio. Oh, it might, okay. So yeah, why don't you just tell me then? Yeah, I worked at uh, this uh, really cute bar called Fig and Olive. Kind of an upscale fine dining restaurant in the meatpacking district. They have a couple of other locations in New York as well. Um, and I so this place, I never worked so hard making cocktails. Like our service bar, it was a big place. It was like maybe 300 seats in there. It was all upscale people, which I appreciated because the check averages are higher. People want to drink cocktails and pretend like everything is the greatest thing in the world when you hand it to them. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so like th- we would always have a second bartender on solely for service bar. We would just get tickets of just cocktail, 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 cocktail. And they were never a fan of batching anything. Right. So we would literally on the bar have eight shaker tins and would just go boom, 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 shake, 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 shake. Yeah. And it was so crazy. Like our servers would get would yell at us. We'd be like, get your stuff out of the way here. Yeah. That was a really fun experience. And I learned a lot about cocktailing from the other bartenders there. Yeah, let's uh, talk about that for a little bit because that's sort of the same thing that happens at my bar. Um is we didn't really expect. We, uh, my bartender, head bartender, manager, who was on our first episode, Dan Collins, he crafted our list and he uh, made some pretty intense, cool cocktails and didn't realize it was going to kind of turn into like nightclub service for these yeah. fucking cocktails, right? Like, it's, yeah, it's like you kind of expect like a lot, a lot of places you work at or go to, they're making these cocktails, but they're doing it at a slower pace because it's not that sort of crazy turnover people bum rushing the bar type thing but it sounds like your experience is very similar to what goes on in my bar and uh it's kind how do you find well i'm trying to figure out how to phrase this properly but like do you find that the quality can suffer when you're like just trying to pound through as many as possible or do you just like how do you make sure the quality doesn't suffer i guess is the question all right so i'm i'm definitely i love that by the way that your bar is pushing out volume and cocktails because that's my favorite of bartending is high volume cocktails yeah. you know yeah. i mean i'll make two parters all day you know but i like if i'm making four and five part cocktails fast um right. i think i don't think you'll lose the quality because that's the point of being a good bartender right. in my respect you know i don't i hate going to places and i already said this once but you know death and co and you know employees only they have a name for a reason but those are my favorite bars to go to i don't want to sit there number one not to socialize that's the whole part of me going or being a bartender. Um, and number two is I don't want to wait 10 minutes for a drink. Right. Because I'm going to finish that in probably 10 minutes anyways. Yes. I'm going to need another one. Um, and, you know, I think if you have a bar, I don't think you need to be trying to recreate the most insane, out-of-this-world, eight- or nine-part cocktail because I don't know if most people can even taste all of that you put in there. And number two, it's just going to make it harder for you at the end game when you do get to get those Friday or Saturday night rushes and you got to crank them out. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I don't know if you have any crazy cocktails like that, but I'm a huge fan. I'm just four or five at the most. Oh, fuck. I, I, you, you're preaching to the choir here. And this was yeah. directive I gave to my bartender as well. I'm just like, I, I, and I'm glad we're talking about this. So that I feel like there's eventually going to be, and maybe it's already happening, a pushback against this, like, like these cocktails that have 18 ingredients in them, six different kinds of infused syrups and what have you. Like, it's just, let's get back to like tasting the liquor again. Yes, that's the yeah. point, right? Yes, and, and also I agree with you that there's, the, a lot of the problem is that 
they're putting all like it's almost more for show or to say that there's all these right. ingredients in it. But you're right. After you get to like the fifth or sixth ingredient, are you tasting the seventh? No. But no, no, yeah. No, no, yeah, yeah, you're just slowing yourself down. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and it sounds good. So yeah, well, let's talk a little bit about that. Um, how do you feel about the craft cocktail culture in general in the U.S.? Well, let's talk about New York first because you mentioned Death and Company employees only. Um, the do you find it's getting a little pretentious, or or, or maybe it was from the jump? Like, yeah, I'm, I'm glad we're, we're touching on this subject. Um, I, I definitely, I I am not going to go out and say that that's a bad thing. Um, but I, there absolutely is a pretentiousness towards those things. And like these bars that we're talking about are charging 18 to sometimes 40 or $50. I have a couple of bars in the city that will charge $40 for one drink. Mm-hmm. So they have like some expensive booze and there's like a gold leaf on it. Like, I right. Don't I don't know. Yeah. And people keep one, which is out of, out of my mind. I don't know how yeah. they do that. Yeah. Um, but you know, when you're talking about these kinds of bars versus just even figging off, for example, people are going to go out because they're dressing up and they're going to want to spend that money. They're going to want that extra time per se for you to cut this garnish really cute and hang it on the side of the glass or, you know, give them a really cool glass with a really nice rim around it versus just like, here's a rock glass, here's your lime wedge, see you later, you know? Um, and again, it's not a bad thing. I think it's something that's nobody, nobody's really touching on. And I think it's important because it's not necessarily a bad thing. But it's something that should be brought up so people understand that, okay, if you want to get these cocktails, you wouldn't be going out just getting a shot of JMO and a beer. Because you mm-hmm. went out, especially if you're going on a date or you want to show somebody off or you want to take your family out of things. Like right. Um, and in New York, I think that's the number one place for that. But absolutely. Yeah. In Canada, I mean, I'm, I'm very ignorant when it comes to Canadian, uh, no, it's okay. We I, I, Toronto has a, a couple of cool spots, but um, yeah. for sure, and we're trying to do stuff here in, in the smaller towns. I think it, it just kind of pushes out from the bigger cities, but the mm-hmm. but definitely New York and London. I think London, England are like the, oh, this yeah. is, these are where it's happened. Like it's yeah. kind of like it came started in London, came to New York. These are the the, the epicenters of craft cocktailing, right? Yeah, so, and I, I think what comes along with that is the higher price tags and honestly a weight to sit down a less social environment the two times i was at death and pro i i don't know why i keep bringing them up but just the first one that comes to mind when we talk about this well that's fair they're pro- probably the most famous cocktail bar now right. so yeah. the, uh, the bartender doesn't talk to you it's no. reserved seating everywhere even at the bar they don't you're not really supposed to talk to anybody sitting next to you at the bar it's like right. you know you're you're literally next to somebody no if you turn around to try and interrupt right it's not cool and that's not bartending or cocktailing for me, you know. Yeah, I, make some drinks, make you something cool. If there's something on our menu you don't like, I'll make you whatever you want. Yeah, it's almost like they've made it into an um, like an art exhibit rather right. than a bar. You know what yes. I mean? Like where you're there to, to watch them do their thing mm-hmm. and, and marvel at what they've done for you. But there's no so. But you've taken like the main staple out of the uh, out of the whole experience of going to a bar which is a social interaction yes and that's yeah. my biggest pet peeve right now i that's how i bartend and i will personally never work at these kinds of bars for that mm-hmm. reason alone seriously right. um, uh okay so when you made the jump from sort of like a more kind of like the place in times square the cheesecake spot and then you go to like fig and olive where it's a little bit more like a step up in in mm-hmm. level of service probably fine dining was that an easy transition or was it a big learning experience for you um, I like to think things come easy for me, but it definitely was, there was a, a 100% learning curve. Um, number one with my technique as bartending and 
wasn't even until after I left Figueroa that I really learned technique and small things that I was doing wrong at another bar, which I'll touch on after we get done with this conversation. Sure. Um, but yeah, no, it was number one. People at this restaurant at Figueroa, which I think goes along with that real pretentiousness in New York, but being more upscale, more expensive. They just want you to kiss their ass the whole time and they don't want to even really talk to you half the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just to make sure you give them exactly what they want. You know, they don't have to ask double for anything. Um, yeah, it was just more, not as, not as a casual situation. Like a little more was, sterile. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I'm, I'm guessing like, well, we just met today, but I'm guessing from the short amount of time we've been talking that that's not really up your alley. You, <laughs> you would prefer yeah. more of a social. Be a middle, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Like, I think that that's what I love. This is sort of like kind of, uh, I don't know how you want to describe it, but like casual fine dining or like upper pub or whatever you want to say. Somewhere in that middle ground where like you're, right. you're still doing high quality shit. You're like making amazing drinks that are well-crafted. You've put, taken a lot of time to come up with. and you, But you can still do it at a fast pace and you can still do it right. while having conversations with your guests. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the guest interaction is uh, something that is definitely lost at some of these more pretentious um, cocktail lounges that are coming out these days. And we have a couple in Toronto, Bar Chef is like that. Um, yeah, and, and I mean, it's cool. It is cool to go see it as like sort of an art display. But then, right. but you, like, are you going to go there all the time? No, are you going to go there with your buddies? Probably not. Like, Yeah, so, uh, okay, so from Fig and Olive, you go where from there? Uh, so I was also working in tandem at the same time, shortly after starting a fig and olive, because I just needed more money. And that was this the other thing. I didn't make even half of what I was making at Juniors right. at this fine restaurant, even with like literally double check hours. Yeah. 100%. Oh, wow. um, but yeah, I worked at a spot called Lazy Point. Absolutely one of the bars I'd recommend anybody to go to. Uh, it's literally on the west side. It's on Hudson and Spring. It's a Montauk beach theme inspired cocktail bar like i mean that's so that's just a nice way to make it sound it's really cute in there but it's kind of it looks like it, it comes off a little divey but we're serving three and four part cocktails with a cute menu his chicken sandwich is fire he had like a six like option food menu to go along with the drinks we had a full bar of course and it was just fun it was all bridge and tunnel kids you know mm. but oh my god i made some ridiculous money at that place i had a last because people would just come in and want to hang out and it was just like quick easy cocktails quick easy food and it was just like right off the highway so, mm-hmm. was, so that was a really fun bar uh, there's a lot of places like that in uh, new york city which uh, and in toronto as well and we need to get them more in um some of the smaller towns as well where and tell me if you agree with me but i feel like the real key to any bar the aesthetics are one way or the other like right. everyone's got their own idea of what they mm-hmm. prefer and that's why we all do different things but the key is the well-stocked bar, right? Yeah. Like, like if you if you have a if you have a back bar that means that 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 looks impressive and that you can essentially, like you don't need sixteen different kinds of orange vodka, but like yeah, but you can yeah, but like you but you need like uh, like. Uh, a single malt from all the different regions, yeah. like, you know, something like that. So, so yeah. that, so that if you, somebody was looking for a specific flavor, you know where to go and yeah. grab it, right? Uh, how, so how do you feel about while we're on that topic? How do you feel about the people who come in and like say, "Just make you something"? Is that something you prefer, or no? I love that. Yeah, I'm yeah. great. I'm yeah. like, all right. So, what's your favorite spirit? 
we'll just go from there. If you like mm-hmm. citrus or not, we'll go from there. You know, but those are probably the two questions I ask. Fair spirit, do you like citrus or not? And I'll just go on and make a drink. Um, I, I don't understand. I have friends that hate doing that. And I'm like, why? I, I've seen bartenders yeah. both go both ways. I think I, yeah. I, I think sometimes it's just when you're really fucking busy, it can be annoying oh, sometimes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's just like, fuck, man, I want to think, just order something off the menu. And mm-hmm. I know I've talked to bartenders as well who are like, oh, I spent a lot of time crafting this list. Why don't you just try something off it? Whereas right. now there's been a real movement by from the guests to be like, I don't want what's on the list. I want you, I want something special. Well, for me. It's all, person, yeah, yeah. For me. You yeah, know? it's always about, uh, it's the, all about <laughs> they all got to feel special, right? Like, yeah. yeah. And, but but it is kind of a, a cool challenge, right? Oh, I love um, it. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll, so, I'll make somebody, like, I'll have, like, a leftover, like, strawberry syrup or something, and I'll just make a strawberry margarita for these people, and they have no idea that it was so easy for to make. And yeah. they'll think it's the most amazing thing in the world. And, like, right. that's all it takes, you know? Right. And, it, and so those are when you're busy. And then if you're slower, then you might take some right. more time and come up with something cool. What's your favorite spirit to work with? Uh, favorite spirit to work with, which also... I like to drink it's gin or mezcal. Mm-hmm. Um, I drink a lot more mezcal than gin, but I also really love gin. Um, I'm not a hater of vodka. All my, my industry friends hate vodka. I, I don't mind it. I'll drink it. I'll drink martinis all the time. I would yeah. like I'm not a super dry martini guy. Right. I vodka, but um, yeah, definitely gin or mezcal. I find I can make two very different drinks with the same ingredients all the time. And, right. Uh, well, mezcal is really cool to work with because of the smokiness of it, right? Like, it's, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. half the people when I was full time behind the bar are just ignorant to what mezcal even is still. And it's just right. insane being twenty twenty, you know. But I, I know it still has a bit of a negative reputation, like it's kind of yeah. cheap, shitty booze when they're making like mezcal is fucking more expensive than most of the tequila you're gonna find these yeah. days. Okay. Yeah. Um, and do you have like a do you have a go to cocktail for yourself? Uh, yeah, always a mezcal Negroni um, or a Gimlet. Yeah, yeah okay. So, like, I, I, I occasionally ask guests on the show whether, um, so I, I have this theory that, like, you, you have to have a cocktail, like a standard classic cocktail that mm-hmm. you go and order at a bar that you've never been to before to recognize. Okay, that's the one, hey? Yeah. Because, other, and then if like, they fuck it up, then you're like, okay, maybe I'll drink beer tonight. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Don't fuck up my gimlet, bro. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. And that, but that's how you know if they're a serious bar or not, right? So, right. yeah. yeah. And then, not, yeah, if they care. And to be honest with you, some bars are there to just fucking for popping Bud Lights and Jagermeister, right? So, yeah. and there's a place for that. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. My God. <laughs> you probably know what that is. I didn't know what it was until last summer, and I was like dumbfounded that it's just fucking Kahlua chocolate milk milkshake bullshit. I know that is some disgusting shit. Yeah, <laughs> that, that was really big. And uh, when I was working at the campus bar, um, when I was in the university, and that mudslide became really big for a while. I'm like, this is really oh, they made yeah. them there. That's yeah, cool. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like fucking like disgusting, though. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, so you're so you're you're working at this um, cool. Uh, what does it mean to be like a Montauk style bar, though? What is that? Uh, it, it was just very colorful. Um, the, everything was like woodsy, very bright colors, pastel like blue and yellow and reds. Um, everything on the on the walls had to do with like surfing or the beach, of course. Well, like, see, what I think is important to talk about with bars is the place wasn't very nice looking. You know, mm-hmm. like it wasn't like a rundown dive, 
but it wasn't nice by any means. But mm-hmm. everybody in there were all rich kids in their 20s and 30s, all rich, all from over in the Hamptons and from upstate New York, all mm-hmm. super rich. They would come there all the time. They throw banging parties there. Had a crazy Halloween party. These girls dropped so much money on us as tip, and I was like, they were all hot as shit, dude. Like, absolute time <laughs> like chats and brads working down in the finance district as their boyfriends just <laughs> like it was just a fun bar you know and like that yeah. i never forget i really love that bar and uh, so uh, talk about the layout a little bit what uh, what would be the capacity of that place oh dude it was it shouldn't have been more than 50 but we would put over 100 in there somewhere right well, that's the way you do it right <laughs> it was in the place which yeah okay yeah. good yeah and so and so two people behind the bar, three people behind the bar. Like how big was the bar? Uh, some crazy nights. We have three, but only one guy in the kitchen ever, and the mm-hmm. owner was there all the time. That was it. Right. It was for not a lot of people ever working. It was usually one guy during the week, you know. Right. And it was crazy parties like that, we'd have three, but and we'd all still make money. Right, because you're putting enough people through there, yeah. and and I guess rich kids probably tip pretty well. Yeah, yeah here and there, but yeah. they just keep coming up, and we. I can. What I like about those kinds of guests is I can just kind of not be super ass kissy and I can kind of be like like when when people are slow to order when I'm busy I'll just literally take the next order and then they'll realize oh I fucked up I'm being slow here you go oh you know? yeah, yeah I, I like, oh, six people in front of me and I'm like looking at this one chick and I'm just like okay I'm gonna talk to the one over here oh man my, I, I used to work at a nightclub and I, the, the shit that used to drive me crazy would be the people be waving their money at you in your face like me next, me next, me next. You get over there and they have no fucking clue what they, they want. They don't know what they want. Yeah. yeah, or they give you the they give you the order and then they just turn around and start dancing with their friends. And so when you're trying to get them to pay for it after it's all over, there's like, not even there. Yeah. No. Oh, so frustrating. I like that. Uh, yeah, yeah. You can grow out of that pretty quick. I call it death by a million quarters. <laughs> oh yeah. What <laughs> that money? You know what yeah, I mean? yeah. You'll get it, but it's oh yeah, it's painful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, and so, where do you go from this place? Uh, so I worked. I, I got a job with this place called the East Pole, the Upper East Side. Um, it's run by the Bowery Collective or some hospitality group. They own Pizza Beach and some other bar. Uh, by the way. The, me jumping around thing, I'm not a huge fan of ever find, staying in one place for so long. I like to find other opportunities. Um, and in this case, sorry, yeah, why, no, why, why you're saying that, um, it, did you find because of the, the just the vast number of bars there are in New York City, like was it pretty easy for you to always find work? Like, Oh, some, yeah. Someone's um, always looking, right? Before COVID, I never had a problem. Like, yeah. I would, I would, like when I got the job at Lazy Boy and I found that just on accident while I was already working at Fig and Olive, and I said, yeah, I'll do it three right. days a and yeah. I like to work that much, you know, it's fun for me, and yeah. I get to live life lavishly, you know? Yes, yes. <laughs> so you're, work. like, you're happy working five, six nights a week type thing? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Especially at night, because I'm, I'm not a big sleeper. I don't know if that's a good or bad thing, but I'm usually up at least by 10 or 11 if I'm not working until, you know, 3 or 4. Uh-huh. Um, but, yeah, so I got, I found this spot from a recommendation that they needed some cocktails. Um, they wanted a winter cocktail menu, um, and I just kind of showed up, gave my resume, uh, GM at the time, her name was Selma, amazing chick. She's got a cool husband too. Kind of hired me on the spot, um, and this was a really cool place as well. It was very small, um, very Upper East Side crowd, meaning super rich, super New York, very much New Yorkers. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a lot of celebrities come in there, like Michael Keaton came in a bunch of times. Uh, 
Drew Barrymore was a regular. She would always sit at the last seat at the bar and hang out right in front of me. But oh, like wow. a floppy hat and a shitty white t-shirt and overalls looking like a painter. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> and she yeah. was like always trying to talk to everybody. Mad cool. Like it does if she wasn't a celebrity. Oh, that's uh, cool. Like Chris Knopf, the guy from Sex and the City, the main dude. He yeah, come yeah. in all the time. One time I got him so trashed on some martinis. He was just talking shit about his life. <laughs> yeah, and it was just so funny. Uh, but yeah, I really like that place. That was a place where I wore white button down, black vest, bow tie, right? Like, all thing, you know, had the garters on. And I appreciate that look. I really enjoy that yeah. a lot. Like I had to get dressed up for work every day. I like that. Yeah. So. I, 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 I've worked in places where you have to get pretty dressed up and I, I, there's something to it. Sometimes mm-hmm. it can be a pain in the ass for sure. Especially if it's like a hot place, but like, yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah, I get, I get it. Something about like, it kind of adds to you taking pride in what you're doing. Right. Mm-hmm. A little bit, just something. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, it look nice. you know, it makes me like when, Going again with this pretentious thing. If the guy in front of you is wearing a T-shirt versus a full like three-piece suit, you're gonna expect something a little bit nicer from the guy. Yes. In the suit and yeah. So you're it's sort of glance. right. So you're sort of expanding your cocktail knowledge during this time. Uh, obviously, mm-hmm. you're in the best city to do that. Um, can you talk to me a little bit about the competition level for like craft bartenders in a city like New York? Um, there are a lot of small competitions. A lot of liquor companies will host them, of course. Um, I never participated really in in any like full on competition. Um, but I mean, sorry, sorry, I meant more like not necessarily a competition, but like, is there a competitiveness among the bartenders in the city or who are crowded? Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, those yeah. clicks left, right, and center all the yeah. time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and it's kind of like by bar basis, like some bars would be sister bars or work together or they've been there for a while. I mean, everybody in New York's a transplant. So I guess the argument that you're not from here is really would never be an option over there. Right. Um, yeah, no, but I made a lot of friends. It would, it would just be kind of like a passive aggressiveness, you right. know, and the only reason that would be is because of social media, you know, why they would, people wouldn't be so friendly or outgoing at initial uh, right. meet because, Oh, I've already seen what you think you do, or you know, you gotta love everybody, make friends, just go drinking. And I've made a lot of friends. I never really experienced an issue, but it is very clicky. That's very interesting uh, that you mentioned social media. If we can talk about that for a little bit, because um, that is social media, especially Instagram, is so massive for yeah. craft cocktail bartenders. Now it's like if you're a serious craft cocktail bartender, you gotta have your own page, making your mm-hmm. own drinks. Like that's how you yeah. get it out there, and yeah. it's. It's like talk to me a little bit about that because it seems very difficult to be coming up with new creative drinks, but also the like the aesthetics of the drinks because it's right. like because it's Instagram. Like, mm-hmm. uh, number one, there I don't think there's a, there's a one single person right now who's going to make an original cocktail. It's just not fucking possible. Right, but like making an original. Yeah, it's like making an original song, right? Like, right. Right. No, yeah, yeah. yeah. recycled. Their samples reused left, right, and center. Yeah. Um, so. It's cool. You put out a, a, like your own drink, you know, but it's on your page and people are going to see it. And somebody might not have seen that before, though, where you posted or who you're advertising that to. So that's a good thing. Um, a lot of work. It's very tedious, just constant posting and you know, connecting with people. And but it's also a lot of bullshit. Man. Yeah. Something that people really need to understand with social media. Um, don't get so hyped up on it because it's. It, yeah, but you kind of have to use it, right? There's no choice anymore. I think so. Yeah, yeah. I, I think yeah. Every, if you're a bartender and you know that's really only you got going for yourself, why the fuck aren't you on social media? I think yeah, 
and so I, I've seen your page. Just you gorgeous drinks on there. Do you do the photography yourself as well? Or? I do. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. I literally set it to auto, and I just take pictures because of good lighting. I get very lucky. That's I don't even really know how to use your AV mode or anything like that. But right. yeah, yeah, no. I, I just get, I fucking stay right out of it. I got my bartender making the drinks, and I got my wife, who's a professional photographer, taking the pictures. Oh, that's, <laughs> like, that's easy. Um, okay, so uh, yeah, talking a little bit about New York and the scene as well. Uh, what's the party culture like for bartenders in New York City? Because uh, tequila soda over vodka soda, number one. <laughs> okay. All day, especially chicks. They're pounding. They call they call that a skinny margarita. Oh, okay. They call a tequila soda skinny margarita. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I mean, parties everywhere. I, I, I'm i not a big guy to go to clubs. I did work at two in Miami um, when I was in college. But I was not going to talk about that at all. I okay. hate it. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I went to a few here and there. And obviously, for exaggeration, you're saying you don't like, you hate a club too. Yeah. Um, but like, what about like, at, like within, within the staff, on, like working at a bar, like the late nights, was there, is there a big party after work party culture for people working in the bar? Yes, is it, yeah. Uh, there's, there'd be certain bars, for example, Iron Bar over in uh, Hell's Kitchen. would be like, if you weren't anywhere in Times Square, everybody was there. And we'd mm. always run into so many people. Uh, but I think it's also catered around where you're working. You know, um, Junior's Cheesecake and Big and Olive were really the only two bars that I worked at where all of us co-workers, and those were also the two biggest staff restaurants I worked at, where we'd all be out and hanging out all the time, you know? Right. Um, obviously, I came in new and not really knowing anybody when I first moved there, and working those two jobs as my first two jobs in New York was great because it really gave me a lot of friends. But I also made my own friends outside of that, mostly from meeting them at bars, right. you know? There's no shortage of that anywhere, obviously. There's, yeah, obviously. of course, yeah. I just always feel like probably the bigger the city, the yeah. more of that that goes on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, that's just part of what we do for a living, right? You work mm-hmm. hard and then you play hard when it's over. So, yeah. Yeah. It can be I think some... when people say that it's hard to meet people in New York, I think that's a total fallacy. Just go out and get drunk and meet some friends. That's yeah. Like, do you think that it's, a, like, it's very easy for people in our industry to make friends? Uh, I think also that, yeah, like there are time constraints, you know. Yeah, like I mean, if you're a nine to working a nine to five job, maybe it's a little bit more difficult. Where, like our job, we're pretty much meeting people every single day. Now you're not going to like probably maybe sixty percent of them, but the (laughs) the other forty percent, like I'm sure we've all been in the situation we've like made friends with regulars, but you also make friends with your coworkers because they're they're. You, they're sharing life experiences with you, right? I'll uh, tell you right now, literally this weekend, in a couple of days, I'm going to Bend, Oregon, with a regular of mine and her boyfriend from New York. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Yeah. Mine, and I went to, I worked at a couple of different bars that she's seen me at. She'd always come in with a couple of her, girl, her like, co-workers and stuff. And, like, now we're all going to Bend, Oregon together. Awesome. Yeah, that's crazy. I know. Yeah. I've, uh, I've, some of the connections I made for just people who came into the bar. That's that that's what I mean. People. And when I was single, man, that was... That was how I met girls, dude. Sure, was, yeah. Girls. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm already showing off in front of you, so what else? <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, t- so you're developing your love at this point of like, or maybe you've you've kind of, you're right into it at this point of, of like craft cocktailing. It's becoming a bigger part of your your career as a bartender as opposed to just only concentrating about the same making drinks and making cash, right? Um, yeah. So what... Uh, Talk to me a little bit about where you think the 
the state of craft cocktailing is going in the future? I know we talk, we touched on it briefly, but like, are, are we due for like a boomerang effect where it's coming back to more simplicity? Simplicity. I know that we mentioned that we are both sort of into that, but do you think that that's where we're going, or is it getting, or is, or, or do you see like? kind of like what you mentioned earlier like you can't come up with anything new anymore so what's so what do we do now i think in new york i don't know about here but i think from working in new york and seeing this i think and because i know the clientele in new york i think low abv or just kind of no alcohol mocktails are going to be coming out hot after this especially the news kept trying to say that alcohol lessens your immune system which again i'm not a scientist i disagree yeah 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 Yeah. Uh, because uh, I have friends that, and relatives that have been drinking since they've been alive. They're fine. But again, it's different for everybody. So, right. uh, but that's definitely a big trend I think is going to be happening um, is low ABV drinks. Um, especially everybody's coming out with the, these already canned cocktails, man. And like the the, the sparks, the spiked sodas and shit like that. I don't, I don't care for it. I, I drink them. I drink them. Great. Sure. They're yeah. great for you sitting yeah. in your backyard or whatever. Exactly. But I feel oh, like... Oh. Yeah, but do you want to? Uh, why would you go to a bar that makes their own cocktails and order one of those fucking things? Right. It just and has why, all this liquor already. Yeah, you know. And why do bars even who make their who have their own cocktail list even serve that shit? That's the other yeah, thing I don't, I don't understand. understand. Yeah, it makes no sense to me. I think there's. Uh, let me talk about this for a little bit because we haven't talked about it a whole lot about on this show yet. Um, I feel like there's a real problem with these bars who try to be all things to all people. Do you know sure. what I mean? Like. Uh, so you're serving fucking Coors Light or Bud Light, mm-hmm. or and you're also serving craft cocktails, and you have a crazy wine list, and you're mm-hmm. serving canned cocktails or hard soda or whatever the fuck. Like, uh, I, I, I feel. Talk to me a little bit about your opinion about this, but like mine, just to get it off my chest, is that the, the best bars have a focus. They know what they are, mm-hmm. and um, and and they deliver that. Yeah, um, it's, like, it's like that saying, and somebody mentioned this to me last week, it's a jack of all trades, but master of none. Yeah. You know, I think that goes a long way with that. Um, it, if you're trying to cater to everybody, then nobody's really going to love it, right? And you, I think that leaves a greater opportunity for, again, bring up social media, but for people to go on and say, oh, uh, on Yelp or on Google reviews or anybody, there's going to be more negative for people to say if you can't. And I, that's also so much harder to control and maintain. Like I've done inventory for tons of bars, but like the ones I've worked for, you know, and I came I couldn't imagine having to go through wine for a giant menu. Like Fig and Olive had a huge, we had literally walls of wine and we got to learn right. that. That was, that was also a whole learning experience there in itself. But then we have a whole cocktail menu. Then we have all the beer and then restock and everything and then try and make sure people are all going to drink it because you have quotas to meet and then our gm or the people the big corporate people are coming in telling you oh we have to buy all this other shit but we haven't even sold this other stuff yet so i don't know man it's a whole like convoluted way to run a bar Mm -hmm. personally um and i did props to you for doing a great job with you with yours you know i think Uh. it's it's tough, man. So. Well, yeah, I don't know. We're trying. <laughs> we're trying. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Good. we're still we're still open. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I think I think we had uh, forty total people come through on opening weekend because I don't have a patio, so <laughs> it's hey, like yeah, did, so. yeah it's, it's a slow build, slow build after this. Well, how do you see the industry going after all after we get through this entire nonsense of COVID that we're all going through now? 
Um, I think it's going to be very long before people are just like, when's the next time a real nightclub is just going to be open with people are wall to wall next to each other? I think next Christmas, not even yeah. this month. Like next Christmas, maybe. You know, people are going to be jammed next to each other in a club. You know, yeah. like, how's that going to fly, right? I have no idea. Yeah. So I, mean, I think the mask thing, people will be wearing masks for the next couple of years. I feel like just 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 because they're scared. Right. Yeah. So, well, I mean, in, in certain uh, countries in the world, they've been doing it for years already, right? So, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah I think we're headed down that road as well. I think it's going to be a, 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 a tough road back for our business, but do you still feel good about it? Yeah, I mean, it's it's deterring me a little bit with wanting to go back to work right now. So there's a lot of bars that are open here in Portland already and in the surrounding counties. And for some reason, Portland, Oregon, which is a different county than the rest of Oregon, is not fully open and everything closes by 8 or 10 o'clock. But if we just drive 20 minutes outside of town, everything's open. The guys aren't wearing gloves. You could just take your mask off inside. But everything here is a little bit more strict still. Mm -hmm. um, and like the whole plexiglass nonsense and like the space and that, like you have a you say you have 20 tables, you're only going to sit five because of COVID. It's like, yeah, we can open, bro. Well, that's the thing. It's hard. Like uh, at the end of the day, I mean, yeah. the rent, your rent doesn't change. Absolutely. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like we, yeah. we're lucky here. We have, uh, you get, you can apply, your landlord can apply for three months of rent subsidy. So right now I'm under a situation where I'm paying 25% of my rent. That's great. But oh, that's, that's going to run out well before they let me yeah. max out my yeah. bar. Like, well, you get a kick out of this. Uh, a good friend of mine runs this bar called Nightcap in New York, and he just put a post out. He just ripped on everything that's happening to him between all his bills and everything. And he's like, he's doing a 48 hour liquor sale. He's just getting rid of his inventory. Right. He's like, I can't afford this shit. I, I don't want to close on you guys, but I need to do something. He's like, come in here and buy my shit. It's going right. to be mad. Yeah, he's just giving away his liquor right now. Yeah, we. I, I'm not gonna lie to you. We thought about doing that with some of the wine stock we had built right. up when we what went down. Do with it? Let yeah. it go bad. Yeah, that's the thing, right? Yeah, we had a few kegs go off on us, that's for sure. Um, it's the worst thing. We tapped like three kegs right before they shut us down. <laughs> that's the worst possible situation. Um, okay, so uh, talk to me about the next place you ended up working at. And at what point does um, Bar and Bowtie come into it? Have you already started this at this point? or? Uh, yeah. So mm -hmm. let me just, I got to pull it up myself sometime just so I can get my own recap of things. Um, but yeah, so after the East Pole, I went, I got a gig out on the east end of Long Island. So obviously, people, you've probably heard of the Hamptons, right? Yeah. Uh, but the end of New York forks. Okay, so this, this one here would be the Hamptons. And then the North Fork is where I got the job. It's called Greenport. Okay. And that's where I met my girlfriend. Um, and I got the chance to open up a brand new spot called Anchor. Um, literally I built both bars. They just said, Hey, how do you want it? Where do you want things? Where do you want glassware to be? How do you want the glassware? What liquor do you want to order? Gave me full range to do everything, which I was like blown away with. And this mm -hmm. was again, a recommendation I got, uh, that somebody gave to the owners there because they worked there last summer. Um, so that was very cool, but it was a really intense experience, man. Cause this is the place where people go to just drink bay breezes and mudslides. And I came in there <laughs> After a month of being out there, after I did everything, inventory, making the cocktail menu, which was sick, by the way, they fucking canned my ass because the whole town was upset with all my social media postings. Swear right. to God. I, I, literally, I, I came out there. I remember when I came out on my menu, I made this, this post and I was like, 
So glad to be in Greenport where I can show you guys what it's like to drink real New York cocktails. Oh, uh, they and, took uh, offense to that? Seriously yeah. small town, like actually small town, right? There's one little strip for downtown that's like literally like four blocks thick, right? So they're blo- they're getting up on my owner's ass and we already have a head chef that they, the whole town didn't like already from the year before. Uh, the town's fucking crazy. <laughs> I love them to death. But listen, I love the place and like I'll, I'm going to make the story a lot smoother after this. But yeah, this after that first month, man, oh, dude, they just like let me go. And I was like, God, what the fuck are you talking about? They put me up in a house to live for free too, man. They offered oh, wow. me this like staff house and everything. And like, I was like, this is great. So um, they let me go. And I was like, all right. When bad shit happens, man, you just kind of be positive and move to the next thing. Yeah. Same, I pick up my last check. Okay. It was for like $700 or something. I walk into the bar the they own three bars in that little town because that's why people don't like them. But I walked in and saw my boy Seth, who was behind the bar there. I was like, bro, they just canned my ass. And he's like, you know, he knew what was going on. He was like, fuck, that sucks, man. And this guy next to, next to me named Jeff, who nobody could ever remember or tell me who it was. He was like, oh, go check out the new hotel on the corner called the Menhaden. Walk right in. I meet the GM. His name is Dennis McDermott. And he hires me on the spot. Oh, wow. To do their cocktail program. They didn't have one at all because they were brand new. And I was like, I just walked on a resume. I had a blazer on. He's like, yeah, we'll start you next week. Huh. I was like, what? So I did not have a place to live at that point. But right. <laughs> fortunate for me, my girlfriend had a, like a fat house that her family friends gave to her all summer. So I ended up staying with her anyways, which was right. another blessing in disguise. So, right. Uh, I just to backtrack a little bit. How did you, so when you got the, the original gig at the bar you guys came from that you were still living in Manhattan. Yes. Right, right yeah. before I moved out there. Yes. Okay. So where were you, did, were you living in one central area during your experience at all these different spots or no? Well, um, yeah, no. Yeah. Before that summer. Yes. I was living yeah. in Harlem on one nineteenth. Okay. So, yeah. so anywhere and you're working all over the city and all these different directions. Right. No, I so. lived in Harlem at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So after you, I came back, I moved somewhere else. So how do you get this job on Long Island? Like, like I know it seems like you're pretty good at networking yourself. Like you can get your name out there, whatever. But I did nothing for this job. Somebody okay. who had a friend out there told them that they were looking for somebody to do this, and they said my name. And that was it. Huh. So yeah. you. So, but essentially, I mean, that's pretty cool. Like you're you're still a young dude. Like you you built up yep. a reputation in New York City. Where people are mentioning your name out in fucking Long Island or wherever, right? It like, was cool, man. Yeah, it, it, was, it was fun, but it ended shittily. But yeah, it, sure. It, yeah, it started shittily, and then it got really good at the end. Yeah. So tell, talk to me about this hotel you ended up working at. Yeah, it was a really cute boutique hotel. It wasn't more than like twenty rooms. The owners are uh, Kristen. I forgot the husband's name, Panessi, but they're awesome people. And Dennis is a really good friend of mine. Now he's in Aspen, Colorado, running a whole restaurant group over there. That's what he does. He opened a couple of restaurants out there as well. Um, but yeah, so like I, after leaving, they, I think the town thought I was just going to leave, you know, but I was like, nah, motherfucker, I'm staying right here. I already moved and got my apartments. I'm staying here. More posts. So uh, I ended up, I had to like personally apologize to some of the local townies, the, like the, the main artists. Yeah, I swear to God, like one of the artists, the main artist in town who does all these giant murals. She has like a, an art store in the middle of downtown of the strip too. So I, she like wanted a personal apology for me at one of our late night bars one night. 
Holy and, yeah, one of the other restaurant owners has been there who owns this place called Noah's. He wanted an apology. He's like, hey, man, we serve cool shit, too. How are you going to come in here and say this shit? And I was like, dude, it wasn't supposed to be a bad thing. I was just trying to show you guys what the fuck I was doing. And obviously, I spent $50 on this one ad on Instagram. And apparently, the whole fucking town saw it, which is so wild. Oh, Absolutely. wow. That's yeah. fu- it's That's like, social media for you right there. Yeah, this is also like a, it feels like a Stephen King story. Like, <laughs> you know, like what the fuck? Personal yeah. apologies? Like, well, it was very strange. Personally, yeah. yeah like, they didn't even know me. They and like they were just again going back on the social media thing. A lot of these people never met me. So they just immediately assumed I'm some sort of douchebag, you know, or Manhattan douchebag came to yeah. yeah. You know, but I was like, listen, just come say hi. I'm cool. And then I ended up making friends with everybody through like a couple industry nights at the hotel, gave people a bunch of free booze, smoothed it over so nice. And it ended up being a really great summer. So there's 30 vineyards out there. My girl and I, we hit 29 of them. <laughs> we were yeah. trying to finish, but it was a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Talk to me a little bit about industry nights. You were mentioning industry nights. We haven't really talked about a whole that a whole lot on the show yet, even though we are the industry podcast. The, um, I, I am of two minds about it. I, I feel like everybody's trying to do an industry night, right? Of course. Like yeah. what, what's better than getting people who work in the service industry into your bar? But mm-hmm. is there a way to do it? Like you can't just slap the tag industry night on it no. and then expect everybody to show up, right? So how, how do you slow, like how does a bar get an industry night going? Totally word of mouth referral, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So like, for example, in this small town, which, again, made it very easy, there's two places you'd go drink after everybody was closed. Bricks and Rye and 314. Those are the okay. two bars that everybody, everybody was doing blow, everybody was drinking, and everybody was kind of shit. So those are the yeah. bars after work, you know, hanging out. And I would just, like, be like, come, 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 come. Here's a message, blah, blah, blah. And I'll shut up. Because I got this local company from upstate New York to donate some booze again made a cocktail menu, sent them some pictures, and then everybody got trashed, you know. Right. Um, That's pretty much it. It's definitely a word of mouth thing. It has to be, right? As soon as you try, like, as soon as, it's got to be organic, because if you try and force it, it's going to be lame and no one's coming, right? So, and I, fuck, I struggle with it too, because I'm very much of the mindset that I like my bars to be, we've changed now because of COVID, but like, my bars to be open till 2 a.m. every single night of the week, because that way you can maybe get the the industry crowd on like their off nights right but then if they don't come on those nights for whatever reason then you're like oh what do i do do i make cheaper drinks and i'm like i like personally i don't give a fuck what the drink costs when i go out to a bar i like it's it's not a factor in my decision making 40 fucking dollars yeah 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 yeah. and and probably if there's a 40 dollar cocktail there's probably also a Ten dollar one that you're Absolutely. okay with, right? Yeah. <laughs> so just don't order the forty dollar one, or yeah. just or drink fucking yeah. Bud Light and Jaeger. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, that's interesting. So you're um, okay. Let, let's, let's. I'm just gonna break this in right now because I know you want to talk about. It. Talk to me about bathrooms. Oh my god, yeah. So this is something that I find is never brought up, but it's yeah, it might even be some as a bar owner like yourself, or since you guys obviously frequent bars or restaurants. Yeah. Anytime after, if a place is open after 10, right, they're probably going to be shutting food down at some point and it's just drinking, right? At yes. most places, I would assume, especially if they serve food. Mm-hmm. Uh, why is it bathrooms get fucking trashed 
Mm. Like when I worked at Lazy Point, I saw some of the most gross shit. So they, some kids stole our our pictures and mirror out of the bathroom, you know. And like I, I have personal friends in New York that are really awesome bar directors and and really big industry people. But like they'll verbally have told me that they go and just piss all over the toilet seat. I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah, like, I, I don't understand that either. And here, why you mentioned the the theft thing too, like. I get bars get busy and we're not watching all right. the time. How are they yeah. sneaking out big shit like this? But it no happens idea. all the time. Huge mirror. Yeah. Took it out of the fucking door. I was crazy. Yeah. Uh, I worked oh. at a place that had, um, and maybe this doesn't uh, age well, but they had a giant, because it used to be a Kentucky Fried Chicken and they turned it into okay. a bar and they had a giant, <laughs> like, portrait of uh, Colonel Sanders. And that's awesome yeah yeah like, it, yeah maybe it doesn't age so well but like <laughs> but, uh, somebody snuck that the fuck out and i still to this day don't know how like uh, it, it, it took me a little while but it's my garage right <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's crazy yeah but i know i agree with you about the bathroom thing like what is it about trash in the bathrooms like i the the first bar i owned um, I had someone go in there and like it wasn't that they were pissed at anybody at the bar it was just like mischief I guess but like stuffing a shit ton of paper towel down the sink drain and then <laughs> turning the water on and walking out and next thing I know there's just fucking water running down the Every floor day. of the bar oh. yeah like I, I don't get it or ripping the ripping the dispensers off the walls like what, what is what are you angry what are you yeah. mad at what are you mad at I've never what understood vandalism like yeah uh, just for fun <laughs> And it's yeah. like, too, the girls will do it, man. It's not just the guys. It's the girls, oh. too. I'm going to tell you right now, man. Sometimes the ladies' washroom is the nastiest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I, I, but I, 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 it's just something that's not brought up, you know. I, so I was like, okay, we're going to be here. Let's talk about it. Because I find that so interesting. Yeah. Like, what is the motivation behind these people? And Or, like, just yeah. fucking. I also, I mean, I understand everybody gets in an emergency situation all the time. It happens, especially if people do a lot of cocaine in bars. I get that too. But yeah. I am constantly amazed by how many people shit in public at a bar. <laughs> I, I try and take care of that before I leave the house if I can. Yeah, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's so uh, disgusting. <laughs> I've had a few run-ins when I'm actually working, and I'm like, I'm, I'm fucking busy. I really got to drop a deuce, man. Yeah, yeah. Dude, give me 10 minutes. I'll be back. Oh, it's right. Yeah. You know. I mean, it happens, but I, I, yeah. it's, it's amazing how often it happens to me. I'm like, yeah, it's yeah. kind of something I'm trying to make sure I get out of the way before I get leave out the house. But, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So for after, so you're, you're having this great experience at this hotel in Long Island. You kind of turn it around for yourself out there. And then where do you go from there? Uh, I come back to New York and I get a very short stint at the real only place to eat in the middle of Central Park. It was called uh, Tavern on the Green. Oh, yeah. Right in the middle of Central yeah, Park. I've been there. Yeah, yeah, you've been to Tavern on the Green? Yeah, it's super cool, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so I got, I got the job to work there. And that was that was a place kind of like Junior's, but way more strict. A lot of rules. They really were testing you on the food, which was fucking garbage, by the way. The, the food is trash. Oh, is um, it? Yeah, I didn't eat. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it was a place where you could make some money. Uh, but yeah, again, like it was, it was very corporately styled run, and I didn't really appreciate that. And you know, when I came back after having that good time out there, I was like, I don't have to fucking work here. You right. know? Um, so right after I finished that, another recommendation gets me a gig at this place called Den Social, 
brand new place opening up run by a bunch of guys who own a few uh, karaoke bars and lounges in K-Town. Um, also not called Den. Got to, I'll pull up the karaoke spot, but yeah, they own like four or five karaoke spots around New York. I'm supposed to be very popular for that. And these guys are full Korean, super rich. They've got this giant venue. It's a club, it's a lounge, and there is also a karaoke downstairs, seven private rooms for karaoke at the same time. And we serve sushi, you know. Uh, so the bar director for Osamil, his name is Jello, who is actually now out in the Hamptons this summer, he gave them uh, my name. And I got to do their concert program and just kind of bartend there. And that was a lot of fun. At this point in your career, it's where we're at right now. You've made several cocktail lists. Um, mm -hmm. You're probably developing your own style, uh, but expanding on it at all times. What would you, could you pinpoint, like, what are, what are the standards of your style of crafting a cocktail? Like, what are the things you're you... Yeah. Um, like, I, I like just mixing... I like citrusy, refreshing cocktails, number one, because I know those are the most approachable and pretty much everyone's going to drink them and enjoy it. Um, I like to use different herbs and fruits and stuff, um, whether it be infusing that for like a strawberry Negroni um, or even infusing the liquors with, for like example, lavender or sage, you know, super easy shit though. I'm not going to have like three infusions in one drink. I'll just have like a sage infused Reposado tequila and then I'll call that a cool margarita with some basil in it. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I, that's not an example of something I did, but for example, no, no, that yeah, yeah. something that I, I might put out. Um, or I'll just make like a lavender syrup. So my one of my best sellers um, last summer at that spot uh, was was gin, lavender syrup, a little bit of lemon, and a sparkling rosé. And the fucking girls were popping off for that shit. You know? Yeah. I think lavender tastes like soap, but, you know, people like it, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. Uh, somebody mentioned that to me the other day, and I think that's a palate thing, like, a, absolutely yeah because i've never gotten that from lavender but um my wife mentioned to me that the other day that she said oh somebody said to her that lavender because she's also a bartender and she was like doing something with lavender she's like oh somebody said don't do that it tastes like soap and i've never gotten that but it's weird yeah. how people's palates are just so fucking absolutely right? yeah like, um the other thing with the making the menus is it's like understand your crowd you know what i mean don't make shit at one bar like what a the what i put out at the east pole um, I probably would not have done a Den Social and vice versa. Um, or even if I got to do the cocktails at Lazy Point, I would not have done them anywhere like I would I did at the East Pole. You know what I right. mean? Yeah, you have to you have to know your audience and you have to know yeah. um you have to know what they're looking for. You also have to know um what's the best way to put this? You have to you have to know what your crowd's looking for. You also have to know what cocktail makes sense for the room. Right. Yeah. Like the aesthetics matter. It's, Oh, yeah. well, let me ask you about this. Do you do you agree that the aesthetics matter to even how you craft your cocktails? Absolutely. Um, I like to have a, a balance of not just the colors, but also the flavors of all the drinks that are on a set menu. Like, for example, a friend of mine um, named Federico, uh, Fede50C on Instagram, he runs the Bar Belly cocktail program. And that is a really fucking well-known bar down in New York in the Lower East Side. But he's got like out of he's got like maybe almost a 20 cocktail menu and maybe six or seven of them have a lot of very similar ingredients i'm like ah. you know i never really told him to his face but it's like he's a great bartender <laughs> and it's an awesome program but you know why, why are you using the same thing in some of the cocktails you know right i, I, I mean seasonal. and that's I, something i like to do too is seasonal stuff i mean part of it is like if you just speaking from an owner's perspective is like maybe you then you can buy less ingredients but like sure, that makes sense yeah but uh, actually, I'm glad that you brought this up because this is something else we haven't really talked to about that I have. 
I got a lot of strong opinions, Nancy. But I got But I got But I got I have one of the things I have a strong opinion on is um, the size of cocktail lists. So Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like tell me talk to me about that a little bit what you think like what what like what's I mean obviously every bar is different, but what's what's not enough? What's too many? What do you think? I think nine is where I cut the line. 100%. Nine. That's, nine. That's, that's, that's just kind of what I like to do. Yeah. I think that kind of makes, again, going on the pretentiousness thing, but I think it adds to that, okay, shit, there's only nine of these. Also, it makes it available for if you have regulars, they're going to be able to try them all, you know, coming in regularly, and then then you can start making them more stuff as well. I, yeah. I just put like a nine cocktail menu. Yeah. I, see, I like, I, I feel like there's a situation where you can overwhelm your guests with too mm-hmm. much information, yeah. too much shit going on. So it's, and I made a mistake of doing that at a bar I own once as well, um, where it was just too much shit for the guests to consume. And then finally they're just like, oh, fuck it, I'll just take a course light. Right? Yeah. Like, but, um, yeah. which is not what you're trying to sell, really. Like, you're trying to sell the cocktails. And I, I find that, like, but I, but I still had, um, so we actually had a guest last weekend when we reopened who came in. And then we had, I think, I think we have eight right now on our list. So right in that wheelhouse you're talking about. Um, and she was like, oh, uh, you know, there's only like eight cocktails on this list. Like in Toronto, you can go to some places. They, they, and this, this is supposed to be a cocktail bar. Like in Toronto, we go to a spot and they have 20. And I'm like, but are they 20 good cocktails? Like, yeah. what? you know what I mean? Is that all 20? I don't think so. Yeah. And also like what you were saying, how many of those are very similar where they've just right. tweaked an ingredient? Yeah. Or two, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know. I, I I prefer a small list changed regularly. Yeah, I think that's good, yeah. especially yeah. if you have regulars. You give them something else to do. You know. Yes. If you have regulars, then I think that's where that definitely comes into play. You know, again, I mean, you know, you've been doing this for a while now, so you understand yeah. what people would want, especially yeah. with regulars. Uh, so you, as someone who does this, like. As you get, you're making craft cocktails all the time. This is kind of what you're into now. Do you, are, are you, how do you, what's your process? Are you always coming, do you always have like new ideas coming to you? Do you write them down? Do you, or, or do you just expand as you go when you're just like making a drink one day? And then like everybody's got a different process on how they craft their lists. I honestly, and this is something that I like to tell people that ask me, I base everything that I do for cocktail menus around all the classics. And I mm-hmm. honestly think that every cocktail that isn't a classic derives, derives from a classic cocktail, 100%. Correct, you know? yeah. yeah. Um, and that's how I start. So I'll usually go just get my, you know, what, 30 classic cocktails. Uh, what was so great, I, I did work for a short time after Tavern on the Green and before Den Social at my friend's bar um, called Sensicana. Um, that was no tips, which I hated, but it was just cute to get into real quick. Yeah. Um, and he hit the happy hour there. They had a five cocktail menu. Okay. Only five cocktails on the menu, but the happy hour, they had 40 classic cocktails. They had a whole book. It was all classic cocktails. Even some, I never heard of, I didn't even, I've never heard of a white lady or a pink lady until I worked at that bar. And I was right. like, Oh, shit, old school cocktails. Yeah. Um, and I, I was like, damn. That's mad cool. And we sold a lot of shit that I would never have made before in New York at that bar specifically because they just happened to have that on the menu. Mm-hmm. And again, I don't fully, I'm not in full support of that, but I, for that bar, it was 
really cool. It's I a cool thing it. to do. Yeah, yeah. That's it was really forty of just classic cocktails for a happy it's hour. It's gonna hold. It's gonna hold your fucking chops. That's for sure. Forty oh, man, cocktails. I a, I, yeah, a couple times I'll be like, have the phone here, and I'm like, oh shit, this is how you do it. Here you go. Yeah, we've all yeah. done that. We've all done it. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, just take classic and just add an infusion here, add a different flavor there, and then just, you know, again, seasonally too. So. But are you coming up with shit all the time? Like when you're working, you're like, huh, I wonder if I could make this cocktail taste slightly differently this way. Or is it something, do you keep, do you keep a book? Like what's your I process? do not keep a book. If okay. I had a book, it would just be my Instagram feed for sure. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like to look at my old menus and, and try not to replicate things. But sometimes if something was really good there, why wouldn't I use it again? I, you know? Okay, so I, I agree with that, too. And uh, so there's another interesting thing to talk about. At what point do you think a cocktail is yours or is it the bars? Like who has the creative control over that cocktail? Like if you're working for a bar mm -hmm. and you make a list for them, is that now their list, whether you stay or go? Or can you take those drinks with you? Are they no longer allowed to serve them? What's your opinion on that? Uh, well, so that's, I think it comes to number one, whether you are accounting or accountable for yourself. Mm -hmm. And number two, making sure that if you do want that to be your cocktail, it's made that very apparent. Right. Uh, and there was only one bar I did make that very apparent. I was at Den Social. Um, like for example, right now, I'm pretty sure the Manhattan is using all of my same cocktails right now. Obviously, okay. very, very short or minimally right now in New York and Long Island. Um, but you know, after talking to some people out there, like they said, my shit's still out there. I'll are make you, make are you okay with that or? Yeah, no, I don't yeah. care. I think it's cool. You know? Um, and, and again, going off of me saying that I didn't create those out of thin air. I'm sure somebody somewhere's done them. Is what am I going to say? Oh, this is mine. I've, obviously, when I post it, I, I came up with it, and I haven't seen it before. Yeah, sure. It's like but, Led Zeppelin doesn't exist without Robert Johnson, man. It's, yeah. It comes from somewhere, right? Absolutely. So yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, like, so no, that doesn't upset me. Um, but at then social when I when I left there, I was like, don't use cocktails anymore. And that was kind of like I kind of came in there to consult at first, and then I was like, well, like I could work too. I'm I'm here for you guys. And he's like, great. And it kind of, because he already had a full staff, but he kind of gave the girls a bunch of less shifts and <laughs> me come on. So that was, that was cool. It was a nice little transition there. Yeah. Uh, and so, okay, so let's get back into the bar and bow tie thing for a little bit. During this, I don't know, uh, we've kind of lost track a little bit, but this has been a good conversation. But with, um, at some point, you start with the bar and bow tie, and we don't need to pin it down for the exact time that you start doing it. This is kind of like your side project that you're hoping to be, I assume, your main project after a while, right? Like this yeah, is kind I would of, like yeah. it to yeah. blossom into something. So you, so it starts as a blog. It started as a blog, and then I kind of got rid of my old content and just kind of focused more on being an event company. You mm -hmm. know, and even with saying that out loud, I don't really know how to properly portray that for people to understand. Uh, let alone the proper way for me to market myself. You mm -hmm. know. Because I really what I've been doing since I've pushed the brand towards that is just kind of create my own events, you know, mm. and since not writing, I haven't really gotten more as much when I was writing, I had people hit me up all the time and not since doing that, I haven't as much. I've just been kind of creating my own work, which is great as well. Um, I'm not sure where that kind of discrepancy came into play. And I don't know. I just kind of lost touch with the writing aspect of things. And you can't, you don't know, you can't put your finger on why that was or. Yeah. You know, um, 
but again, it's just more about building up the portfolio. And like when I started the bar and bow tie and the blog and after the Netflix thing specifically, I would email companies and booze brands all the time. And I would get so many no's, right? Mm-hmm. And I just started just doing my own content, doing my own events and like promoting all of it myself. Then the calls were going to come in, you know? And I think that's something a lot of people don't understand that are trying to build something being young. Um, Cause I, I invest a lot of money myself. I spend a lot of money on myself as far as the business goes. Like, I don't mind, like, honestly, all the events that I've personally thrown, I have, I have almost, I've been in a negative, almost all of them. Right. And I don't, you know, it's all because I want to build this portfolio so that I can have every single thing to show for it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like my, my Christmas party I did before I moved out here, I was $1,400 in the hole, you know, mm-hmm. after that event. And like, I, I spent almost $8,000. this year. You know? Yeah. And like, but it was worth it. I got video content, got picture content. And then I got some stuff after it. So. Yeah. And then it's, it is that sort of spend money to make money philosophy, yeah. right? Like, especially when you're starting out, it's, I mean, it's nicer if somebody else will invest that money in you. Somebody's, <laughs> but, doing, right? yeah. somebody's got your money too. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you know? 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Um, okay. So that's cool. So what are you, um, so you're kind of moving into more of uh, doing events, but you're not quite sure how you're going to make that happen, especially now you're in a new city. Like mm-hmm. what, what are the, what's the, like in New York, at least you had a base. Like when you left Manhattan, obviously you worked at a lot of places. Um, you must've had a bit of a name following at some point. Like you kept getting these jobs based on your name at some point and based on your resume. Um, talk to me a little bit about the challenges of that go with you starting over now in a new city on the other side of the country. Um, I, another reason I chose Portland was, I find I found it might be easier for me here to grow this brand, bar and bowtie with events. Um, obviously, in New York, there's events every day you can go to for free if you want to. Just pull up an event plan, go on Facebook, you know, or just talk to your bartender. There's something going on everywhere, you know. At least there was before all this bullshit. Right. Um, so I kind of found being here as kind of an opportunity for that. As you know, I think a few of the costumers I've already been to here, I wouldn't really want to work at. I, I really want to work at more of like a a restaurant bar more so than just a bar bar um so like i kind of forgot my train of thought here but i'm hoping being here will help me push myself to make more of these events and also i appreciate and enjoy the act of advertising myself again you know and meet new people because that was really all it was was just i would be out all the time in new york at all the different bars you know i was very single for most of my time in new york so I would just go to different bars by myself all the time. Literally, I, that's my favorite way to go out is to go out by myself and just mm-hmm. bartender. And then I'll, he'll either introduce me or I'll meet somebody I'm, I'm sitting next to, you know, and then I'll, I'll go to the next bar with those people or I'll meet somebody at the next one. And I've already had done that a couple of times here and it's been great. Like I've, we've had over a dozen dinner parties here at the house. You know? oh, so wow. All new people we've met here. I've met our neighbors and stuff. And I like to be social. So, and obviously there's a lot of people that aren't, very social here as well, you know, but they'll grow. And they'll what is your, uh, what does your girlfriend do for a living? Oh, same thing. She's a bartender. Oh, she yeah. is. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. So yeah, you guys probably can throw a pretty solid dinner party. Oh yeah. No. <laughs> it's worse, yeah. Uh, and it's, uh, it's a lot of fun, you know, it's just something, it's like feeling like you're at a bar, except you're not spending any money. Something yeah. better. Cool That's like right. That. Yeah. Well, it's <laughs> like, I, it's, I know, I mean, fuck man, I, 
what I, when I throw a party at my house now, I'm mm-hmm. so over bartending by the time I get I, to I the party. Yeah, awesome. so I'm just like I was like, here's some wine. I, I picked some good wine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's your favorite? What's your favorite bar that you've been to? Favorite bar I've been to probably Osamil, O S A M I L. Um, which is on 35th or 34th in, in kind of in Cape Town, Midtown area. Um, also, the guy Jello who got me the job out last summer, he's the guy who runs the program there. Great dude, kind of a mentor to me. Um, so that's always a place to recommend people to go. It's, it's upscale and it has cocktails, but it's also like really chill and it's a good vibe in there. It's up to over the top. Um, other favorite bars I've been to, you know, there's so many, but I guess... I like the ones I've worked at because those have a yeah. special place in my heart, man. You know, That's and fair. I've made like, the most best kind of uh, relationships from those places. You know. That's fair. Yeah. So, was there yeah. was there ever a bar that you really wanted to work at in New York that you just never got an opportunity to do so? Oh my God! Yes. There. Yeah. Uh, it's called Sugar East. Okay. Uh, so it was one of eight bars that you can still smoke inside at in New York. Wow. Cocktail bar. It was like downstairs had a small little entryway behind this like beer bar or beer hall. Um, it was, dude, I, I wrote about the place. And so that is on my blog right now. If you do want to check it out on the Yancey page, it's a, uh, I literally wrote that when you walk down there, it just screams sex, dude. It's just so fucking <laughs> sex. It's gorgeous in there. Cocktails were cool. Nothing too crazy. But what I thought was cute, they would use like small, like, I guess what, 350 mil gray goose bottles. And okay. they put a cocktail in that, and that's how they would serve it to you. Oh, uh, that's cool. Coconut. Yeah. It was cute, and they served, they smoked the coconut top and handed it to you. I didn't really like that cocktail, but it was cute, you know? Yeah. Um, and they would have a DJ at night, and you could just, like, fucking smoke cigarettes. That was cool. I, yeah, that's I really cool. I'm, I just, I have another question for you now, actually, that you brought up the coconut thing. Uh, what is your feeling about some of these gimmicks that go with cocktails? Waste of time, man. Yeah, waste time. No. I think like, it's... It's, it's juice in the glass, man. It's going to be gone 10, 20 minutes, you know, 30 at the most. If you're chilling out with some friends, you don't really drink that much. Um, yeah. Like, well, give me an example of a gimmick you got, you've seen in, in Canada. Like, I don't know, like, uh, well, I mean, smoked cocktails, kind of a gimmick, right? Yeah, oh, I mean, some, exactly. yeah. The smoke's gone the second you lift it up off the thing, whatever. Right. And P- I, I don't know, there's a part of it where it's like, there's a way to make a smoky taste. Right. Like a smoke, uh, the flavor of a smoke in a cocktail where you yeah. don't have to actually fucking smoke the thing, right? Like, yeah. and, and I'm being in perfectly honest here, I was responsible for probably the first smoked cocktail in my own city because I thought it was cool at the time, but now I nice, think it's man. like, That's but, dope, but you no, That's yeah, well, I mean, you stole it from somebody else, like not right. the cocktail, you, but like the idea, yeah, but it's like, but I also think now it's like just such a fucking gimmick, right? Like, it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's I I'm done with the magic show. Yeah, let's just make some drinks. Uh, we're not a fucking magician. No, yeah, no. and especially with the. Do you not find with the all the cocktail books that are out there, YouTube, all the like everything that's on Instagram, like, fuck. Let's be honest. If somebody really wants to do what we do, they can figure out how to do it at their own house now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, by the way, I hate all the guys on YouTube that are making drinks. I I hate all of those pages. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking hate all of them. I'm sure you know. There's like two, three, maybe four of the big ones. But I 
fucking hate all of them. They verbally <laughs> are, out, are like, I don't, I'm not a bartender. And they're just making these, they're like getting drinks from video games and movies and like recreating like, and they're, I don't know, man, the, the, uh, the production quality for a few of them are stellar. They're right. awesome. I think mm-hmm. the content is trash. It's for people that watch fucking Tasty and BuzzFeed. You know, it's like that kind of bullshit nonsense that they're putting out there. And they're making money, though. Which is like they're, all, so- they're making so much money. This, this but- guy had a drink. He is blowing up. He is star- he's storming the fucking YouTube scene with drinks. It's crazy. Sorry, which guy? How to drink. Just Google how to drink on YouTube. How to drink? Yeah. Oh, and uh, and uh, you- it's-, it's no good. No. <laughs> and again i'm telling you the production value he's, he's got fucking 8k red cameras he's using and all this and i think that's really cool yeah spend money on that shit too though mm-hmm. but i just i don't like the content personally he rambles yeah. too, and it's like the drinks he's making i don't know could be yeah. a little bit of jealousy too don't get me wrong because i'm not doing that <laughs> well yeah i well the other thing too is like i think it's kind of it's it's hard not to be jealous about some of this shit because people like you and i who have done this for a living and then just like any Yahoo can fucking yes. spend Stand money. Yeah. Right? And I feel like probably chefs feel that way about all the, when there was this explosion with the Food Network and all the cooking shows as well. There's so many chefs who are just like, fuck what they're doing on there. But they have the, like, they have the venue essentially, which is YouTube or a, a show on Food Network or whatever. Right. That we don't have, right? So there's, obviously there's going to be a certain amount of jealousy that goes into that, but but it's also it's very rare that you get the people who actually know what the fuck they're doing on those shows yeah i uh i have been questioning why there is no bartender competition like chopped or anything like that and then yeah, i why is that uh, apparently you you can't drink real alcohol on television on oh, live television oh, right. i did, i literally just found this out like a couple yeah, weeks ago yeah. that's true. We've been like, why the fuck does nobody do this? Yeah, you might be too. You know the television show Cheers? Uh Yeah, it's like you're too young for it. But it was a big sitcom in the 80s. And uh, they used to drink. Wow. They they were always drinking beer, but it was always, I found out it was ginger ale the whole time. Yeah, you can't, yeah, you can't physically drink an alcohol, alcoholic beverage on television. I just found this out. But there was a a company, uh, if you want to look it up after we finish here, called Wheatley Vodka. Yeah, we, that's that's my rail that's my rail vodka. Oh really? Yeah, yeah great. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah. So yeah. they did a competition. They have like three episodes out. Then they just did the one in New York at this bar called Goodnight Sunny, um, and it was cool. It was cute. They got like some guy from Glee to be the com- the, the the host or whatever. So I guess that kind of helped yeah. solve it. The production value again looks really good, but. I don't know. It was, it, was, it was a funny competition. You check it out, both of you guys. Yeah, I'm not a huge vodka guy, but that vodka is made by the people who do the Buffalo Trace. Buffalo Trace. Well, I love Buffalo. I got, I got oh, a bottle right Are you kidding me? It's so fucking yeah. good. Well, let's talk about... Okay, now you want to nerd out about whiskey for a little bit? Yeah. Okay. Let's, <laughs> let's talk about how... And I, I, I can't say this enough. The two... The, the, in the, the two avenues that I feel like there it is there's the bottle you got, our listeners can't see this but always oh, oh and somebody and on action brought this over the other day to refill us and I was like fuck yeah yeah and this so Yanti's um, holding up a Buffalo Trace bottle now for us but uh, we uh, and this is why we do a podcast and not a TV show because we can drink <laughs> but uh, yeah uh, so Let's talk about this for a little bit, because the two areas where I really feel like knowledge is power are in spirits and wine, because the more you know about it, the better you learn how to 
drink really well cheaply. Yeah. Because like Buffalo Trace is not an expensive whiskey. No. But it's it's fucking delicious. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, and like, I'm, we can't get it in Canada, but are you a fan of the Angel's Envy? Uh, I am. I do. Also, I just really like the holding the bottle. It's very easy to pour out of and Mm -hmm. grab me personally. Um, It's, it's not as popular as as I think some people make it out to be, but Mm. it's good. I'm a big fan of it, but we can't get it here. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. They, they don't distribute it out there? They I don't. Think. I think I should start the distribution company that brings it over here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Touching on that, is there an ice company where you are? Somebody that does the clear ice thing? Because that's something a friend of mine in Greenport last summer was talking about they need out there. Nobody has one yet. There's yeah. Be a market to, to we, don't, we don't have one in our city. I know they have them in Toronto for sure. Oh, in Toronto. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So there's something. And, and there are ice guys that will deliver you like the blocks, right? Mm-hmm. Like like the, okay. goods, the good cubes. Um, one of our friends actually in Toronto, uh, well, he, he doesn't live in Toronto, but he opened a bar in Toronto. Uh, it's closed now, Rush Lane, super yeah. fantastic spot. But they bought... <laughs> this ice machine that would make like <laughs> giant slabs like what would what, what really yeah they were massive they have a chainsaw and they they would cut it with a chainsaw and then no cut, way yeah and then That's yeah cool. it's pretty fucking cool but yeah. it's also like pretty labor intensive obviously absolutely right? yeah That's what you gotta pay for it, you know what i mean yeah yeah well and they, it, all that should just get transferred to the guest right yeah <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. All right, uh, we're going to let you go, Yancy. This was awesome. But tell me your favorite whiskey before we go, since we were about to nerd out. Favorite whiskey um, is not Buffalo Trace. I love this stuff. But yeah, my favorite whiskey is Widow Jane from Red Hook, Brooklyn. A lot of uh, controversy around it, uh, obviously, because they say it's Kentucky bourbon and all. But they people are saying it, it is or it isn't, their process, whatever. It's got a bite. If you like Buffalo Trace, you might not like it. I'm a big fan of I've had Widow Jane. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, I love yeah. it. I think yeah. it's great. So that's yeah, my so, favorite. So my first part was called White Rabbit, and with that we were when we when it first opened at least was like a whiskey based bar. So we would make clandestine runs to the US to bring back whiskey we couldn't get here and just like lie <laughs> yeah. at the border. But yeah, Widow Jane, we had that for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Hell it's yeah. good. It's it's spicy. Spicy, yeah, it's got a bite for sure. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. not. The, I don't think it's the smoothest whiskey either, but I enjoy no. But it. sometimes you're in the mood for that, right? Like, I, yeah, like that's cool. how I plan my whiskeys. Like, so you're not always in the mood for like Isla Scotch mm-hmm. either, right? Because nope. yeah. Nope. <laughs> yeah, but sometimes you are. <laughs> Something I what I got is that somebody recommended me at the liquor store that is absolute dog shit. Um, Ardbeg makes a five year. It oh. looks to me sounds like a yeah. Sounds to me like they just had a bunch of leftover shit from old barrels and just threw it in a bottle. That's so weird. I never even heard of that. Yeah, a five year scotch mm. from Ardbeg. It's called That's... Wheat Beastie. Huh. Trash. Absolute garbage. It's it's sitting up in my thing here. If you can see it, it's like Is a decanter. Watering your plants with it. Yeah. <laughs> absolute <laughs> garbage. But uh, that's all. It's like a, it's like a show. That's why, that's why there's so much left in your decanter, though. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. Well, yes, this was super fun. Thanks very much for doing this. I appreciate you coming on. It was great meeting you. Great talking to you. Uh, before you go. Yeah, if someone wants to get a hold of you on uh, social media, what's the best way to do that? Oh, super easy, guys. Just at Yancey Violi on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Twitch. I stream as well if you're into video games and Warzone. Um, and, of course, at Bar and Bowtie. Check it out. 
at Byron Bowtie. Yeah, let's get this thing going for you and see. It sounds like a really cool project. And these are like this is the kind of shit that needs support. We can all just go to a bar, but like these independent projects that you're doing, that's a, that's the kind of shit that all of us who are into this industry should be supporting. So, yeah, Yancy, thank you so much, man. Great meeting you. Thanks, man. Yeah, the boss was great, baby.